Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, a few big transfers were finalized over the weekend. Um, we'll take a look at some of the players who are officially on the move. Let's start with Harry Kane because this was one of these situations that for weeks it felt like this deal with Bayern Munich was happening and then it was finally finalized and then we got our first peek at him with his new club over the weekend and he had put out that video on his social media saying farewell to Tottenham fans. I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. It was a bit jarring seeing him in a different kit. It just felt strange I and mean, he is so tightly associated with Tottenham. But for Harry Kane in this move, I think that we all, we've talked about it so much in the in the weeks leading up to this, that we want good things for Harry Kane. We want him to, to win trophies. It didn't feel like that was going to happen at Tottenham. And so for Harry Kane, when you think about this move for him, will does success have to equate to trophies for Harry Kane? I say yes. I think yes. I mean, they missed yeah, out on Super Cup. At Bayern, at Bayern yeah. success equates to trophies. Yes. And when there's a piece that has been missing ever since Lewandowski's departure, where there is an incredible goal-scoring quota that almost became irreplaceable, Harry, beca Harry Kane becomes that guy to replace what Lewandowski was giving you, and suddenly you're a Champions League contender. And for Bayern, sure, you can win Bundesliga again, and winning Bundesliga for Harry Kane will be an incredible feat mm -hmm. and because uh, you're champions of Germany once again, and it's not, it's not like, oh, Bayern's going to be champion. You've you got to build your way up to a Bundesliga title, and it's almost boring that Bayern wins it uh, every year, but that's neither here nor there because it is a title. But the big one is the Champions League. Like, I don't mm. see where it's it's kind of like a wash if you win Bundesliga almost, sadly, because it, it is a title, because ch that's that elusive title that Bayern always chases, that they put together these super teams. They invest in, 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 in managers like Tuchel. Uh, they, they, they bring in players from all around the world to create this super team. And you look at the squad, and it's on paper, it's a Champions League winning squad, but, you know, they haven't been playing well for, for a couple months now. I, I will mm -hmm. say success is subjective. Mm -hmm. Harry Kane is an incredible player. He is one of the best to ever play in the Premier League. But the only reason you make this move if you're Harry Kane is because it's not just winning Bundesliga, it's winning Champions League. And that's what he's after, to win a Champions League trophy. And Bayern Munich, given that squad, given his, I think, understanding with Thomas Tuchel, just having a coach knowing that you've played against in, in the English Premier League, knowing he can get the most out of you, 
and the squad around him, because he's one of the most well-rounded strikers in the world. Yeah. If not the most well right now in terms of in Premier League last season, he led uh, in terms of other strikers in the world, most forward passes, most, most key passes. Uh, he's just an incredible talent. And so putting, in, putting him in this Bayern Munich side, given the wingers that they have and Musial mm-hmm. underneath, I think they have a, a real good chance of competing for that Champions League trophy and the Bundesliga trophy and the Cup trophy. So mm. he needs to win trophies. And this, I think, this club gives him the best chance because of the lack of competition in Bundesliga, which kind of helps them in a way to really put the best foot forward in Champions League. Because if you're in the Prem, I think it's, it's really difficult considering all the talent and how deep the Premier League right. is compared to... Mm the Bundesliga, or even La Liga at at this stage. All right, um, let's move it along to Neymar because uh, Fabrizio Romano gave it the the here we go. He is the latest big name that will be heading to the Saudi Arabia Pro League. Apparently the deal is done between him and Al Hilal. Are we surprised? I mean, there was some rumors that he could potentially go back to Barcelona. What? How do you? How do you feel about Neymar going not, to the Saudi league? Not surprised one bit. There were only a handful of places Neymar could have gone. Barcelona being one of them, but I think that this was most likely the destination that was always going to happen. MLS rumored to be one of them, but because of the DP rules, not many teams can afford to get Neymar into Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. When you look at this Al-Hilal team, they already have Ruben Neves, Koulibaly, and Malcolm up top. I think that he is there to not just make them a better team, but he is there to entertain. He's an entertainer now in his career. I think the league fits where Neymar is psychologically. And hey, last time I checked, his pockets are going to be full of money. They're not full of money now? Oh, no, no, no. His pockets are going to be full <laughs> of even more money. <laughs> He's changing contract. PSG money to the Saudi Pro League. Money. All Hello was where it was where Messi was going to go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they had kind of like that void, that cash to spend. Not that they were. They Hurting. didn't ever not have it. So um, they're reinforcing their squad. Let's remember Al-Hilal is w- not only one of the top teams in Saudi Arabia, it's one of the top teams in Asia. Yeah. They are perennial winners, not only domestically but internationally. But that put aside, Neymar at this point in his career, and maybe he'll be back in Europe, but I wanted mm. to see him still be that spark for a European team in Champions League because he's so talented and it it's a little bit, it lets you down because you expect somebody of his caliber, of his talent, uh, of his stature in the world of football to stay in Where Europe Where would you have liked to age. see him go? I don't know, Barcelona could have figured it out somewhere, anywhere, mm-hmm. but... I just don't, when you look at how things ended at PSG, though, and I get the disappointment, but from the psychological factor, he was out promoting online gambling. He was out being seen at McDonald's more. And, yes, injuries tend to limit playing time and all that stuff on the field. But there wasn't that sense of urgency that you see from players who have that drive to get back to fitness. When you're seeing those sort of things, that doesn't lead me. So I'm not surprised. It doesn't lead me to believe that, okay, that drive to win and do it in Europe is still there. I'm I'm probably not surprised either. It's just disappointing. disappointed. It's like it's you just feel like, yeah. he had, he's the emblem of the Brazilian national team, and at this point in his career, how old is Neymar? 30? He's I thought he's got thirty one. I thought he was most. thirty at least. Yeah, you know, but 
look it up. up um, and yeah. it's you at that look age, you still have so much more to give. Yeah. Yeah. So much talent, ripe with talent. Well, let's look at let's so look at some of his blessed. numbers. Um, that so he put Neymar up for, is thirty one. Thirty one. Just passing the so great divide. I think what you're trying to say, and I feel the same way, is given his skill set and his potential and his quality, that he's feels like he's underachieved. He hasn't so maximized much. what he could do. This is yeah. what he's done just at PSG. Alone, if you take a look at this graphic here, he's won 14 trophies, 118 goals, 77 assists. And mind you, he won a Champions League with Barcelona, being part of the amazing, the, amazing the, team, one of one of the best uh, trios of all time in the Champions League. And mm. and also remember, he left that MSN because he wanted to. He uh, felt he could he could be a World Player of the Year on a on a separate club and not re- being in Messi's shadow. Yeah. Right? That, that was the understanding. So do you go to PSG, it's a new project. The goal is to win Champions League, that's it. Just like Manchester City, you have to win Champions League, not winning the league. And he came up short. And then you would expect him, if he comes up short, to, to still chase that. Hungry. To have that ambition. And, and try to win Ballon d'Ors. He's going to end his career without a Ballon d'Or. Which and is crazy. I think that crazy. 2020 Champions League final... You look at points in history and points in players' lives and stories, I think should or have they won that Champions League final, we're seeing a different hunger, different drive. But when things went south from there is the loss. You saw how much it meant to him. You saw the tears, the emotion. That was a focused Neymar. That was a driven Neymar. After that point, that is the incisive point where you see the diversion. I think it was well before that, to be honest. Oh, he was good in that 20th season. No, but I think that moment would have been – Epic for him and, and changed his, his legacy. But in terms of what you're getting from Neymar now, it's, you know, he's, he's chasing the bag. Yeah. And he's not chasing the trophy, he's I chasing the bag. I don't he's know if he's going to be with Brazil. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be with Brazil to 2026 by the way that this is panning out. But if you're, mm. but if you're in his shoes, can, can you fault him? No, but no. You're, the, the, it's just the lack of motivation to compete in Europe and to you're, be at that top level. You're giving that whole, like, you know, the parents, it's like that dreaded, like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> no, mad. He can, I'm he not can, mad. He can, he can do whatever he wants. You know, you know, it's true. You are getting the Charlie Davies I'm morning footy. I'm not mad. I'm true. just disappointed. Mark can do whatever he wants. Yeah, no. He's a human and he can do whatever I'm he wants. I'm Wait, did you really make is, that comparison? This is literally my dad when I was 18. You can do whatever you want. You can. But I'm disappointed. hundreds of millions of dollars, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> all right guys we're gonna take a break uh, we're gonna chat some women's world cup when we come back hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline Welcome back. Oh man, did you see did you see that clip of the airplane where mm. e- literally everyone except <laughs> one guy is watching Australia win on pens against France? 
Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. He's probably French. Come on. You know what? <laughs> you never know. No, he had to be watching it. Went to PKs. It was so exciting. Anyway, this is absolutely amazing scenes that we are seeing. Australia moving on to the semifinals. They will face England on Wednesday morning. We also have Spain facing off against Sweden in that other semifinal. That game tomorrow morning, I believe, at 4 a.m., bright and early. Um, but how did they get here? Let's uh, check out some of the highlights, starting with Australia and France. And we picked this up in the PK shootout. What did you say, Nico? The longest? Yeah, it's the longest penalty kick shootout in World Cup history, wow. men's or women's. And it, it went the extra mile. And let's just remember that Australia, four years ago, lost in a penalty kick shootout to Norway. And that's how they bowed out of the competition. Courtney Vine gets her opportunity here and, and, and buries it. Australia ends up winning. It's, so it's a little bit of redemption in front of your home crowd to beat France, one of the favorites. And again, again, France I, comes up short. I got to say, so I mean, that Australian performance it was, was incredible, but the penalties were pretty poor. <laughs> and then hmm. this right here, Catalina <sighs> Perez. She was so uh, good, good throughout yeah. this World Cup. And, mm -hmm. and what a massive mistake here. Mm. She comes out injured and Right here, Alessia Russo, they've been waiting for her to score goals. And that first game where she gets to start as a nine, it, it didn't go so well. This is what they've been waiting for. The 24-year-old the striker gets in, in behind, and drills it far post. That was a, a cultured finish. Now this England, English side is growing with confidence. They feel that they're, they're getting closer and they're coming together well. This midfield had always been one of the best in the world. And, and Kira Walsh, Georgia Stenway, and Ella Toon, it's starting to click now with the rest. Lucy Bronze in this 3-5-2, it, it feels like they're hitting their stride at the right moment right now. And they don't concede mm -hmm. much. They've conceded very little. I think it's three goals, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. World Cup. Um, and, and the three-woman backline has definitely helped them solidify that. They're, they're, they're understanding the roles to the T. And it's, it's, you can see that Serena Wagenman has this team doing something special. Yeah. And now it's a tough test against Australia. I think you're really seeing the benefit of having that winning culture and winning mentality. And you know this. Once you taste silverware or once you've been mm -hmm. in a championship game it doesn't matter when adversity hits you you find ways to win and different players step up because they have that experience and that notch within their belt i think that is what we're seeing from this english side and that can be an absolute weapon the deeper you go in tournaments experience does become the x factor yeah, it seems like a long time ago. Remember after their first match, we were all kind of like, hmm, is this England mm -hmm. team for real? But they have definitely played into this tournament, and, and they are going to be in the semifinal. They grind out results. They do they grind out results. Suffer, with the exception of that China game, mm. it's been hard fought. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, nothing has come easy, but at, at the end of the day, they get it done anyway. Can we, can we give... The flowers to Colombia? Absolutely. Oh. We I mean, give I lots did. of flowers to Colombia. Yeah. Colombia put on a show this World Cup. Linda Caicedo obviously was the, the darling of mm. the World Cup. Yeah. I, I don't think that's an, an argument. But in terms of a complete footballing squad, you, you got a little bit of everything, the quality and the physical from the back line, the, the physicality, the tough tackles, the aerial duels. And then, you know, just in the midfield, I felt that they were connecting passes. They had a good understanding of when to get low, defending low blocks versus 
oh, let's take chances, let's take, take risks and play expansive football, get into the wide areas, whip in crosses, Myra Ramirez running the channels when Linda Casado wasn't having the best of games. You could count on your nine to, whether it was hold-up play, she would take on two or three players just to get into a channel and then start to keep the ball in the yeah. attacking half. Uh, this was an impressive mm. performance, and you know this is just the start yeah. for this young and, Colombian mm. side. Cata Uzme, Lacey Santos, they're well-coached. And consider all the problems that they have from mm. their league that is professional but with issues. All the barriers that this Colombian national team had to break to get to the forefront and then suddenly compete and compete well. I feel like at this Women's World Cup, that's kind of been like the trend where they were facing problems not only with the federations, but with the leagues not being fully professional. And we got glimpses and, and hints mm. and a taste of how good women's football can progress and how good it can be. Not just the powerhouses, but there is ripe talent in so many countries and this will to play and grow and Colombia was one of those yeah. examples, and it was great to see, and, and the country behind it. The, I was impressed by the yeah. amount of Colombians in Australia. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so out of context. <laughs> <laughs> what? Someone needs to give me like a case study on why there's so many Colombians in, in Australia. I understand that they Mariana study there. Mariana didn't have any so, insight into so that? So Mariana has a friend who's actually in Australia right okay. now studying. They, they, it's easy to get a visa hmm. to go study, but like, Okay, I get it. You can get a visa and go study, but the, it's far away, and there's a lot of Colombians it's in Australia. Cool it's like, yeah, but why you know, not? You got to be willing to That's pack awesome. your bags and go to the other side <laughs> of the world. They were so much fun to watch mm. this tournament. So um, such fun. a good showing. All right, let's uh, let's talk about this Spain Sweden semifinal matchup because this one is super super enticing. I have been so impressed with Sweden and the way that they have played. Amanda Ilstedt with four goals in this tournament. They've had solid goalkeeping, um, but eight of eleven goals have been off of set pieces, mm. which I find interesting. Wow. Um, the Spain, I believe, are, according to the betting odds, the favorites of the four teams remaining. But mm. I, I feel Over like... England? Yes. Wow. Yes, mm, I, yeah. believe, I believe that's correct, according to our research department. Um, but I, Sweden has really, really impressed me, this tournament, Charlie. And I feel like they are a team that can definitely give Spain some problems. Also, they've been here before. They've never, they've played in a final before and they've made the semifinals several times. I believe this is their, their fifth semifinal appearance, but they've just never won. Well, so they, they, have, they have those big game experiences. They do, and we start with the back line, mm. the goalkeeper, Musevic in the back line, Amanda Ilstedt and, and Eriksson. Anytime there's a set piece, Amanda Ilstedt, she has four goals because she's so good at the timing. She's obviously an incredible finisher in the air, but it, you have to watch out because if Sweden decide to sit back and just play on the counter or play for set pieces, they're good that way. They can also press forward and create space in the attacking third by putting pressure on you and winning off the counter press. They're very flexible in the way that they play, but they're very technical. Tactical and technical, and that's what you expect from Scandinavian teams. Very tactical. That, that's the one thing that stood out for me when mm. I went over to start my professional career in Sweden, is that they all understand where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be on the pitch. And that's where I grew the most, because in, in the States, especially during my time, the tactical nuances in the game weren't really up to speed in terms of how you developed as a player. There, 
That's number one. You have to understand tactics first, and then your technical ability, and then the rest takes care of itself. But this Swedish team is, is going to be always difficult to beat, considering their goalkeeper is one of the best in the world, mm -hmm. and just Musevic is incredible, and then their back line is so solid. So you, you have to watch out for them. And I, I, I still think, you know, as good as Spain are, they're very vulnerable. And we saw against Japan, even against the Netherlands, mm. they do give you openings if they're not clinical in those moments. And Bormati, yeah. by the way, is dealing with a little bit of a knock. A little bit mm. of a knock. That's, she would be, if she didn't play, she would be a big miss. I think she's been outstanding for them. You saw it earlier in the group stages. You've seen it in the knockout stages. Even when she doesn't contribute with a goal, her willingness to get in the box is an X factor for the Spaniards. Yeah, that's Sweden-Spain match. 4 a.m. tomorrow morning. Lovely. Set you your alarms. All right, guys, we are going to take a break, uh, but plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere. League's Cup semifinals are set. We have those to look forward to tomorrow night. Monterey taking on Nashville SC and Philadelphia hosting Lionel Messi and Inter Miami. Those games at 7 p.m. Eastern and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch those on Apple TV. But let's see how these teams got here. So we're going to get into some of the quarterfinal highlights, starting with Philadelphia taking on Querétaro. Tenth minute here. Chucho Bueno. It's a scrappy goal, but scrappy you'll take it goal. in these sort of games. It's good work from Philly's midfield playing a 3-5-2 in this competition. And they were made to sweat a bit with Carreto getting in. When you play against Liga Mekis teams, sometimes in these competitions, they don't start the fastest as we've seen in some of these semifinal games. But Philadelphia being good at home is what makes them one of the most difficult teams to play against in League's Cup and MLS. And it's Donovan, the youngster, that gets the winner. This Chris Donovan, Chris Donovan goal was super controversial in Mexico, by the way. Was it? Yeah, because of the potential offside. They didn't called. take it well. A lot of people upset with the officiating in this tournament so far. Um, all right, let's move it along to Nashville hosting Minnesota United. And just so you know, this Nashville onslaught started after a red card from DJ Taylor. He was caught for dog so. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, it was absolutely just, just an absolute mm. blitz of, of Nashville into the attacking third. Goal after goal after goal. And now this Great Nashville service. side, when you play with this, this much confidence. This was my favorite goal. This was my I mean, favorite goal of this oof. match. Look at this little give and go. And Hani <laughs> Mukhtar with the absolutely sublime finish. You can totally understand why this man is the reigning MLS MVP. Uh, just a, a stellar performance from him as Nashville advance. Then let's move it along. This was a good one. LAFC hosting Monterrey. And this happened. This was the, the, the end. Changer. This started, started the end. Yes, I mean, exactly. I went to bed at halftime and LAFC were up 2-0. And I thought they were going to win this quite comfortably. So they're I up 2-0. Kellen Acosta gives away that pen. Sergio Canales finishes. Then the own goal from Palencia. Then right here, Funes Mori. You can't give him a rebound <laughs> no. in the yeah. sixth. And if you're going to deflect it, deflect it out of bounds. Yes, McCarthy, mm. John McCarthy, he, he makes that good save. It's, it's going in. It's in the corner. But you can't parry it in a position for the striker to make that rebound. You have to absolutely either put it out for a corner or put it to the sideline. And, and that was the mistake. And I've said, 
LAFC, I know they're getting Maxime Cripo back, but you need to go out and get a keeper if you want mm. to challenge for MLS Cup again. I, I, this is a deep team, but you don't know where Maxime Cripo will be because mm. he's been out for so long with, with that knee injury, coming back from that in MLS Cup. Mm -hmm. And then you just say, man, if you have a top goalkeeper, I think LAFC are in a different position right now because there's been a, mm. a number of games where the keeper position has let them down. How much do you guys think Sharon Delos to blame for this exit? I don't put it on Sharondolo. Yeah. I mean, of course, you're a manager. You t you, you're, you're always going to be um, the one who's, who's the blame's put on because you're the manager, but... It's a lot going into CCL, and the way that they lost CCL, but they you put had everything into it. such an extended break, Charlie. Yes. And we spoke to Kellen Acosta after their, their first match where they won 7-1, seven, mm. 7-0. Seven yeah, I mean, it was an absolute shellacking. And, and he spoke about the importance of that time off because they had had such a condensed schedule playing in CONCACAF Champions League. And to me, it was just, it was such a let-up after that first half that, the, and that come down. And so mm. I, I, they were missing that intensity, which surprised me because I thought that given that break, I thought that they would be looking mm. at this tournament as a way to kind of reset and get themselves back to sort of their MLS Cup winning ways and that type of energy that we I think seen. the game was almost too easy for them in the first half. When you go up 2-0, there's a reason why 2-0 is the most dangerous lead in world football. I, I, I just wonder in... CONCACAF Champions League, we see a big letdown at home. A couple years back, CONCACAF Champions League again against the Liga Mekis team in Tigres. We see a letdown going up a goal. I wonder if there's a psychological impact of when you're playing Mexican League teams, when you get out on the front foot, you have to be solid in that second half. You can't be expansive. You can't think the game is done. And when you get that penalty kick call, Kellen Acosta, it's a, it's a call that you don't expect. I think the panic button was hit. When you look at the defending, it was scrambled. It was helter-skelter. And Johnny McCarthy, a few months ago, he was a hero in MLS Cup, and it's so—it's just typical of a goalkeeper position where you can go from hero to zero mm. with a period save. I agree with you, Nico, that you shouldn't have done that. But if you are a defender, you have minutes, seconds away. It's the cardinal sin of ball watching. You have to be proactive, yeah. even if a goalkeeper saves it. Johnny McCarthy does his job. He saves it. He doesn't parry it right this way. He parries it away from the goal. It's still away. I think the defenders should have been more proactive. They do that. Different story. I, I, don't, I don't think it's just limited to this one goal where he gives it to Funes Mori in that position. It's since he's been in goal, there's been mistakes here and there. And it's this, LA, this LAFC team is, is deep. They're, they're talented. And there's obviously time to get going again, but it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. It's been a struggle in MLS. They've had a good game, had a bad Their game, had a good game. Consistency has not been there. It has not been mm. there. They had so many stretches last season where they would win. They would get a, a string of results together, and we just haven't seen that mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. them this year. It and has been a lot of stop, stop and start. Don't you feel like we're waiting for them to make a big splash? Yeah. Yeah. In, the trans in the transfer mm. market, I thought that was going to come. A big player was going to become, because a number nine is still they what they need. Chucky Lozano was being teased. Chucky Lozano, yes. Obama Young before that. Mm. You just felt like there was a, a, a big name it coming. It could still come. Yeah, for January. January. <laughs> Not mm. this year. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. Michelle is going to be back with some more headlines when we return. Stick around. We'll be right back.
a look at your latest headlines. Neymar is set to become the latest big name to join Cristiano Ronaldo in the Saudi Pro League, finalizing a reported $110 million transfer to Al-Hilal from PSG. Neymar is undergoing medicals today ahead of the proposed move to the Saudi Giants, who will land the superstar they've been aiming for since missing out on Lionel Messi earlier this summer. In other blockbuster transfer news, Chelsea has now reportedly beaten out Liverpool for Moises Caicedo, completing a record-breaking deal for the Ecuadorian midfielder. According to multiple reports, Caicedo is undergoing his medical today to finalize a deal worth a British record $146 million. Caicedo's move to Chelsea had been in the works for months, but a late bid from Liverpool complicated matters, forcing the Blues to increase their bid to complete the deal. Then we head to Italy now, where Inter Milan are reportedly closing in on a deal for striker Marco Arnautovic from Bologna. The 34-year-old would replace Romelu Lukaku, who notably fell out of favor with Inter this offseason. Arnautovic's deal is reportedly for $11 million and comes after Inter had a reported $38 million offer for Falerian Balogun rejected. Arnautovic spent the last two seasons with Bologna, scoring 24 goals. And in La Liga transfer news, FC Barcelona is closing in on a a pair of marquee additions in Portuguese stars Jao Cancelo and Jao Felix. According to multiple reports, Barcelona have made a bid for Cancelo, who is set to leave Manchester City and would join Ilkay Gundogan as players jumping from City to Barcelona. They need a right back. Mm. The Spanish champions are also in the mix to add Jao Felix from Atletico Madrid. Felix recently called Barcelona a dream destination and Barcelona's sales of Frank Kessie and Usman Dembele could help find a move for Felix before this close of the transfer window. That Barcelona side had a scoreless draw with Hetafe over the, on Sunday and head coach Xavi Hernandez had some heavy criticism of the refereeing of the match. Take a listen. Está clar que ens sentim ens sentim avui contrariats. Crec que ha sigut una injustícia molt gran lo que hem viscut avui al camp i ho hem de dir, no ens hem de callar. No ens hem de callar perquè tothom ho ha vist, ho ha vist tothom. I a més a més dir que si això és el producte Lliga, aquest partit és el producte que volem vendre a la Lliga, per mi és una vergonya, vergonya absoluta. The comments came after a very physical match where both sides ended the match with 10 men in Xavi. It was also sent off in the second half for comments made towards an official. So, Nico, you don't generally see this type of reaction from Xavi. Uh, he traveled, like, channeled his inner Mourinho a little bit here. But what did you make of the officiating after watching this one and seeing those comments? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough match. Uh, Xavi gets sent off in the game as well. Um, but... This hasn't been totally unlike Xavi, including the end of the season last season. He had a couple mm -hmm. of moments where he was blaming the pitch. Uh, he was talking about certain referees, but th th this this is like very harsh. Um, mm. And and rightfully so, because Hetafe absolutely came in, <laughs> elbows, kicked. just kicking the hell out of everyone. Rafinha. Must have gotten an elbow to the face, mm. forearm to the face, at least two or three times before snapping, and then he gets the red card. And then Hedafe gets a red card in the second half. But in terms of the intensity of the mm. tackles, it was, a ta it was obviously a tactical game plan for Hedafe just to say, we're going to get into their heads psychologically and just rough them up. They did it. And they did. They and, absolutely. And, and for Xavi, you know, part of the game is, okay, we want to disrupt Barso. We don't want them to feel comfortable. But I, I think Hetafe crossed the line because the way they're, they're playing, it was, you could say that it was a good chance a player could get injured in the way that they were tackling, the way that they were playing. 
it wasn't it wasn't graceful. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm. So Javi justified in his comments. It was I think he was angered, irritated in the way that a team tried to disrupt them because it was a little bit past the hey, we just want to rough them up. Mm. It was really targeted, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's the part that was, it didn't sit well with him. Unjust and unfair, he said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strong words. An embarrassment. All right. An embarrassment. It was harsh. harsh. Those tackles were harsh. Woo. Woo. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are looking ahead to uh, some of today's matches when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Here is a look at your Monday footy fix. We have that Manchester United Wolves match at 3 p.m. Eastern on USA. Atletico Madrid taking on Granada at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. That game on ESPN Plus and bright and early tomorrow morning. The first semifinal of this Women's World Cup. Spain facing Sweden 4 a.m. Eastern on Fox. That's when I wake up anyway. That's pretty good. I was about mm. to say. It's not like it's the, ones that, the ones that messed me up were the... Oh, 2 a.m. The 2 a.m. ones? Yeah. 2 a.m. Doesn't matter where you are, unless you're on the West Coast. That do you up. stay up or do you no, go no, to go, bed go to, and then wake yeah. up? For which one? For the 2 a.m. ones. Like, no, you go to bed, no? You, you would stay awake? I think that was. That. I always Sometimes go to sleep. Sometimes I try to, like, for, power for which, for which ones? The 4 a.m. game? The 2 a.m. games. Oh, 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Yeah. I stay up. 4 a.m., you kidding me? Or it's 2 a.m. if you're in Chicago. That's right. No, it was. 3 a.m. That was when we're not, we don't have any more 2 a.m. games. But the 2 a.m. games were the ones that Brutal. I watched the least. Mm. Those games were so difficult. I think everyone's sleep schedule has suffered. Here, here's, yeah. a, here's a little but Swedish for you guys. Komiennu Sverige. What's that? Komiennu Sverige. Come on now, Sweden. Ooh. Komiennu. Let's go. Ooh. Let's go, Chuck. Komiennu Sverige. All right, um, before we go, let's, uh, let's dive into a couple of the matches that we have today. Manchester United Ooh. taking on Wolf. I'm going to put Nico on the spot right now. Okay. Because you said that Manchester United were good enough to compete for No, he said win. Win the Premier League title. Nico, I knew I liked you. To to be one of those good teams, I still think they're missing a couple pieces, Mm -hmm. like a nine. But what is convincing about Manchester United is the project. Hoyland's the nine. No, no, they need a A proper. A a bigger caliber goal scorer. But what, again, uh, there's a couple of Manchester United fans here in, in the production. They're asking me why am I so big on Manchester United because there's a project that Thanks. has vision, mm-hmm. that has been put into place, that the club respects. Nah, <laughs> get out of here. And, and I like it, and you can see that. Ah, uh, Nico, I am so excited and also so nervous for today's game. Those nervous? Mu- yes, because it's, it it's, the, it's the hope that sometimes can kill you. I'm excited to see this new United team. I'm excited to see Marcus Rashford play with an improved number nine and also Eric Ten Hag, season two. Please get another trophy. Score prediction. 2-0 United. Wolves are, are in a bad place. 3-1. Three, one. One. All right. Nil. That's going to do it for us, guys. Have a great Monday. Let's do it again. Mañana. We'll see you then.